you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Hey, Alan, how are you? Good morning. Doing fine. Thank you. Got a little... Now that we're back on Zoom, back with the yep. back and stuff, and there's all those beautiful nature scenes to share. Yes. All right, before we get started on our topics, let's do a quick little clip that I can cut out and trade with other podcasts, geek podcasts, and try and exchange audiences a bit, grow the reach a bit. Okay. So I was just going to do a little, hi, welcome. This is Relentless Geekery. I'm Steven, you're Alan, and here's some stuff we talk about and see where we go. If we don't like it, we'll redo it. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. So... This is Relentless Geekery. Alan, welcome. How are you? Doing fine, Stephen. How are you? I am good. So Stephen and Alan, we do our Relentless Geekery weekly, and we talk about a few things. We made a list when we started. Alan, tell (laughs) us some of those things we've talked about. (laughs) Much like the ever-growing list of... So here, we'll geek it up right away. Wow, Bagger, the infinitely prolonged in the Hitchhiker's Guide trilogy, said that he would insult the universe. And when it was, of course, explained to him that with birth rates and such outrunning his ability to reach people, he just cocked an eyebrow and said, a man can dream, can't he? (laughs) So we made this initial list of a huge outline of all the things that we should talk about because the realm of geekery and nerddom is big and wide. And I think that we've added as many things to it as we've talked about. And of course, there's an ever, a never-ending fountain of new geek coolness coming out in the world. We're, let's say half done, but I've added half again as much. Yes. I I gained whatever. I always had confidence that you and I would never run out of things to talk about. (laughs) But the fact that the world has turned into this wonderful geek ascendant place, we've talked about it, that things that used to be maybe you keep to yourself because they were a little odd. Now they're celebrated. They're the biggest movies coming out. They're the best selling books. They're the best games. They're the best of everything. And those, they coexist in a world full of sports and there's other things that people are geeky about and one of the ways in which geekiness comes out is even if you're a sports fanatic if you're one of the people that follows like the baseball abstract then you find a way to pull out your spreadsheets and your statistical analysis <laughs> and geek it up about that too yes read on obscure statistics so anyway it uh, we talk music we talk specific bands we talk comic books we talk the movies based on comic books we talk about books we talk about favorite books we talk about board games video games card games we exactly. talk about using zoom backgrounds and we get technical because <laughs> we both have done so yeah, it's a little bit of everything for everybody that's right i love the fact that i don't know this is done in really pretty much we have a loose outline of what we're going to talk about and then of course we digress but most of the time we seem to get to a couple topics we talked about, but we just, there's interesting things that make connections. And that's part of what we do yep. also is make all those cool connections. And we're both tech geeks. And so part of this has been an exercise in, can you really do this with the appropriate video capture, the appropriate web connections? We are 50 miles apart or something like that. Yeah. And yet in near real time, there's no stutter. There's no, you and I. Now, now that we figured out problems, <laughs> right. use a VPN. <laughs> <laughs> and if anything, part of the joy of figuring it out is in real time, we're not the only ones running into this. There's all kinds of people everywhere in the world that with their home computers, with their phones, with everything having become social media and online, while we figure it out, they're like, that's how you do it. We've been able to troubleshoot any number of things or talk about how ridiculous and when we wax nostalgic, some troubleshooting used to be ridiculous. I remember figuring out SOC 7 errors on an IBM mainframe, and nowadays, it just there's all there's problems they're just a different kinds of problems yeah <laughs> so, so we welcome everybody to come weekly and join us on our geek gathering <laughs> and talk we won't waste your time you'll learn something you'll have a lot of laugh you'll get all kinds of connections and leads as to what you should next read or watch or do or play or go and that's I love it. I love sharing all this geek read that I've accumulated over the course of my life <laughs> there's always cool new things coming down the pike it's very cool to be able to, I hardly think we're tastemakers yet, but I love, one of the, my favorite conversations is tell me about the book that unless you told me about it, I might not discover it on my own, but it's a great one. 
And so books and new TV shows and whatever else it might be. And I think we do a lot of that. These are our favorites, but they're not necessarily the best sellers. And it's such a treasure to give that to each other and to give that to the world to say, got to read, not right. just Potter, but there's other great series out there. <laughs> and you've even said that people have told you that they listen and they make notes. Oh, they talked about this. That. I'm going to check those things out because we're omnivorous, like you say, and we're everywhere. Sometimes we do so many things and talk about so many things. That's right. That's right. Hey, join us. You know what I mean? We're on yes. every podcast accumulator. We think we're an hour, but we almost always go over, but it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> for the geeks. Yes, it is. So what's on our topics for today? Because I, you, you were struggling to come up with anything to talk about. The, and yes, that was a load of sarcasm. We have a list that, that we're probably going to have to. One big thing was just this last weekend, you were at a couple oh. of cool conferences and conventions and stuff like that. So please share. Yes. So our celebrity heroes <laughs> but, and, and that they're not just like celebrities there's some depth to the yes celebrities most of the time so i won't go into the long story of the trials and tribulations driving that's always got its own issues but i will say where the hell are people in washington dc going at 11 o'clock on a saturday night that it's busy <laughs> it's like wall-to-wall -wall traffic what what is going on i must have missed some concert or something I, it was that's all i'll say about that <laughs> there, are, there are some cities that never sleep oh. LA, chicago new york washington baltimore there i don't know i guess there's always a third shift there's always great nightlife whatever it is it's there sure are a lot of people in some places and they're all on the road with you <laughs> yes and it, i got worried because essentially where i was at it was heading away from dc and i look over and the other side heading into dc had nobody and i'm like are we in the middle of the Independence Day movie? <laughs> like everyone's trying to get away. Evacuation. Yes. <laughs> like, so the first thing I went to was Steel City Con down in Pittsburgh on Friday. Drove down to there. Close. Pretty big con. Let me just say it was a good thing I didn't have a whole lot of time or a whole lot of money on me because just looking at the vendors in the booths, I'm like, oh man, I would have lost so much money. But what I went down there for was a rare treat especially for me, my boyhood hero, idol that I still discuss and talk about, given a hint, I still carry my Swiss Army knife with me, but I got to see Richard Dean Anderson MacGyver. I got his signature. Very warm, very warm man, talked with everybody, took a few moments and didn't just, oh yeah, great, thank you, and move on. Soup Nazi style where it's just keep moving. Kind exactly. Of I wore my hockey jersey because I know he likes hockey and it had my name and my book name on it. He's like, that's pretty cool. What's that? So he asked me about it. And there then I go. asked him about Legend, the same thing I did with John Delancey last year. And he said, yeah. wow, thank you for asking about that one. He, he it's a very cool in. but short run series. And so it really yeah. is a big fan that knows of it and that really talks about it as one of their favorites. So yes. good for you. Okay. Yeah. So it was a short interaction and there were like 7 million people in line. So that I know he doesn't remember me specifically out of everybody, but he gave everybody that feeling of, I'll give you a moment of my time that you're here and I appreciate it. Wonderful. So that was great. I'm really sorry, by the way, that I we didn't arrange for me to get Legend, the, the DVD set, back into I, your hands. Because no, I guess that would have been a fun thing to get signed as well, especially when he acknowledged, wow, people don't ask me about that. Yeah, it might have been, but it wasn't that big a deal. If he comes back around, I go do it again. I'll go see him and have that signed. I told him, I, I said, I had the DVD. I should have brought it. But he wouldn't sign the knives. That, that was like, before he even showed up, they said that. It was fun, but it was a four and a half hour wait to get to see him. Yeah. Okay. Because he got there a little late, not his fault, the plane and stuff. So that was the first one. So then I drove down to Virginia to a really good conference called AuthorCon for Scares That Care. And yeah. it was okay. all horror authors with some mix of fantasy and sci-fi and other stuff in there. But it was to raise money and awareness for cancer. And a lot of the money, not a lot, all the money go, goes to some recipients that are battling cancer and they choose recipients each year. And so the ironic part I laughed about was all these vendors and authors are there for cancer awareness. And after they got all set up, first thing they did was go out and have a smoke break. So uh, that's a little <laughs> <Wow>. ironic. <laughs> Addiction is strong enough. To, I guess that's part of horror though, is that it's going to be horrible and you go into the house right. anyway. <laughs> so let me tell you, Alan, I was in so much trouble because I'm walking around, every book looked fantastic. And your wallet is open. Okay. Not healthy. I had to limit myself. 
I felt bad. I didn't want to talk to all the authors if I wasn't going to buy their stuff, but I felt bad ignoring them because, you know, you get some that people know and they got a gathering. And then you right. got the new ones with just one, maybe two books. And they're like, please, somebody come talk to me. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't just buy everybody's book. That would be three, $4,000 with everything here. I just can't I do that. You. I just had that at the Cleveland Fan Expo, the Comic-Con Plus. And right. I talked to any number of authors that I mentioned. I have a couple names I can hand off to you for the Undiscovered Wordsmiths podcast. And I really, I talk to people, not always with compunction to buy, but I let them convince me. Tell me about your book and tell me about why this is different than every other book I could buy here and stuff. Right. And I really, I like when they're passionate about their work, that they really understand what might be the appeal of it. Not just, I had a book in me and I had to get it out. It was a labor of love and I, it's a book I wanted to read. So those are the kinds of things that convince me. I tend to buy like first books in a series from all right. kinds of different authors. But once in a while, someone has, I am such a completist, a setist, that if they say the well, first book's 15, but you can get all four for 50 instead of 60, it's, oh, so by only spending 50 bucks, I save 10, save 10. <laughs> Luckily, we are right now in a place where money is okay. And so what place do I want to be more than helping out independent authors, really giving them like- right. Uh, Authors so I, and artists. I did indeed spend more money than I should have, but Colleen is wonderfully understanding. What's that? I'm not out hitting the crack pipe. I'm bringing more books into the house. And I've only had a couple bad experiences where the guy was really convincing at a pulp con, if I remember right. And I bought like his entire six issue series because it was a Doc Savage world exploring adventurer type knockoff. But then you find out that not only are they independent, but they're like unedited. Some people, they just set it into an independently published book, but they didn't have anybody like clean it up for them. And I hadn't realized because I'm so used to reading professionally done stuff right. that when you read stuff that really has terrible grammar, spelling, run on everything that, that could be wrong. It's, wow. It you really sticks have some out. Good ideas here. But yeah, if this is, you need to take the next step if you're going to sell this to the public because they have right. expectations. That's one memorable one where it was like, oh, I don't know that I'm going to continue the series because... I keep on getting flinchy over the boy that's just badly written. <laughs> yeah, a couple errors here and there. If it's a good story, you keep going. Things happen. I will say it's funny you mentioned that because I was noticing that authors need to take note or get some coaching help, maybe. I, I honestly thought this is a service that could be needed because you see some that set up and they have a really good looking booth, even if they have one or two books. Then right. you have other guys set up where they have a pile of books and they're sitting at an empty table and it looks like a stark wasteland and you're almost afraid. So why are you looking that way? I'm afraid to go get your it's book. It's not inviting. It's not merchandise. Yeah. It doesn't have to be super slick, but at least has to be that you're aware of. You've got a thousand other people that are going to be setting up with you. How are you going to distinguish yourself? Right. You know what I mean? It, and, I, and the, I like it when they put some effort in. Yes. To, to represent themselves. Yes. Exactly. Okay. The other thing I noticed too was with especially at a con like this where you don't know the author and stuff less is more if you call me over like a barker hey come and check out my book and i actually do <laughs> engage you with it i do not want to be stuck for 20 minutes listening to you ramble about oh and then in chapter four these guys really do this and then i'm like i don't care but at that point i'm not getting your book because now i'm bored i don't want to know the whole story that's not convincing me to buy it and exactly. telling me cool things like, oh, yeah, I've got a cool space pirate in here that has a one eye and a wooden leg. It's like, okay, great. That's not a big deal. Like they have to have their elevator pitch ready. If you've got yes. somebody for a minute in an elevator, you need to be able to crystallize, condense your thing down into what's the thing that in a minute you would be able to say, I want to buy the book. You know yes. what I mean? Or a TED Talk. If you've got 18 minutes to represent big thought, a big cause, whatever else it might be, you have to be able to get in, make the point do it convincingly do it memorably etc cetera, etc cetera. and maybe that's the, if people ramble in their speaking style you wonder if they ramble in their writing style and stuff like that yeah so, it, i know people get excited but telling the detail if it's not going to fit on the back of the book you're telling them too much people want to read the story because they're interested there's a famous and i wish i could remember the author's name independent author but he got big because his advertising was would you kill your wife to save your daughter that was essentially oh, it. Variation on Sophie's Choice, terrible. Exactly. Okay. So those types of things are 
lessons that authors need. So why, why should I buy your book? What's your book about? Oh, like mine. It's a middle grade coming of age story about a young boy who wants magic. And when an evil wizard challenges their town magician, he goes along to either discover his own magic or at least prove that guy's a fake. You yep. know, and that's about all I really need. And then I'll say, and for parents, teachers, homeschool, I've got a study guide to go with it. And I've got words in the back and discussion questions yeah. and all that. So right there, that's 20 seconds. If you're not interested with that, then you're not going to care about the rest of it. Exactly. Did we talk about this last time? One of the odd, I don't know why I get pleasure from this, but as I am pretty omnivorous, I love all kinds of geekery. And yet there are certain things when you're in the middle of this ocean of cool things, but not everything is cool to you. You feel overwhelmed because of yeah. the possible damage to the wallet, because if there's only so much attention span you can get before <laughs> you kind of go into overwhelm. It's actually very interesting to walk up to a place and say, they have a lot of tea based on fantasy novels. I don't care about tea. Boop, and I walk past. And I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to dismiss them. I almost always say, hey, how you doing? Or something like that. But it's like reassuring to me that I'm not going to stop at every single place and give my valuable time and my valuable money to things that I don't care about a sword recreation. I don't care. I really don't like action figures that much. So Funko Pop and various other places that specialize in that and a lot of anime and manga, I what I've read, I liked, but it's always been, it isn't my favorite. And so it's kind of, if I only have a certain amount of time, first sweep, I'm going to hit the things that I really like. And if I don't go back to it, that's just the way you have to winnow through life. You know yeah. what I mean? The con a little microcosm of life. You can't pay attention to everything. And that goes back to experience a bit. This is a horror author convention. So all the books, pretty much all the authors wrote horror. If somebody's walking in, they do like horror. So you don't need to necessarily dwell and tell them about the horror in your book. They know it's a horror book. Just what's the little selling point that they would want to buy yours? Oh, it's a Pulp Fiction style story with a detective. Just something little. Right. How do you differentiate yourself from all the other things that are here? Okay. And I think yeah. part of that goes back to a lot of authors, especially new authors, haven't defined who their buyer is. And they'll say, Who's interest, who would be interested in your book? Oh, everyone. No. Yeah, if, you right. say, if you say, says, yeah, if you say everyone, everybody knows you're a new author and you're eager and excited, but you haven't studied enough. To, you to, to, so anyway, so then I went, I was down there for that. It was so good. And I went down to meet two people specifically and then have a workshop. One, well, both of them were on my podcast before. And one of them's going to be on the horror podcast with me and Reese coming up. I'll tell you about horror that. Lasagna. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I went down there to meet Armin Shimmerman, Quark, among many other great acting in his career fantastic gentleman. He's just the type that he would fit in at an RG and sit there chatting with people. He would be perfect for that. So yeah. I got Those new to the podcast and RG is a regional gathering yes. event thing that people do where people gather in a certain city, maybe a couple hundred of them, and they play games and talk and have free flowing food and drink, all that kind of stuff. Free flowing drink. You don't want your free food anyway. <laughs> so I bought his trilogy. Pretty um, good. Of course, I couldn't just, oh, I'll just buy the one book. It's, oh, the trilogy in hardback, in a right. slipcase slip edition. I must have the box. Yes. I so okay. I got all three of them. He signed each book, wrote a little message in each one, and signed the slipcover. Yeah. I'll tell you about those. I will say this is extremely geeky for people. What the books are, to sum it all up, it is alternative historical fan fiction using Shakespeare characters. Interesting. So yep. what happens like after out oh, damn spot? What happens after puck? Okay, very good. The first word in the book is foot. I say the foot. So <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That was tons and tons of fun. Then the other gentleman, I talked to him several times. When I walked by, if nobody was in line, I wasn't interrupting anyone. I'd just yeah. walk up and say, so how you doing, Armin? <laughs> just chatting. And he chatted. Yeah. Oh. But even more important, I talked to the publisher. It was Jumpmaster Press. They had a huge, like, four-booth display, all sorts of books. I got some free books because I bought a few more than just his. Okay, very <laughs> But good. better yet, they remembered me, and I went to a panel that Armin was on, and I raised my hand for a question, and they called me by name. 
afterwards i went and that sounds fine when yeah. you know you've been doing this for how many decades actually memorable enough and i love that i love right. when people actually remember me that's how you do networking it's not yeah. run to everybody yeah. saying hey buy my book so i bought a few more things from them i got a steampunk i got a cryptid book etc but the gentleman i went down to see the most and i got several of his books he recognized me we chatted wonderful gentleman was jeff strand jeff strand okay I was so excited because we were born two days apart and he spent most of his high school career at Kent Roosevelt. I was like, there's a connection there. There's I love your books. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was wonderful. And better yet, we got a picture. I sent him a copy yesterday. I said, here's the picture of us. I know you've been frantically hitting refresh on your email to get this, wondering <laughs> where it's at. And he responded with, oh, thank God you finally sent that. My finger was starting to hurt. Exactly. <laughs> but then he said, I expect to see you set up here next year, punk. That was Great. special. Yeah. Encouraging uh, and so forth. That's yeah. one of the things, though, if people want to see that picture, they're going to go, who's that guy with Steven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. So then I ran into real quick, another guy in the, I saw this, and this is what got me. Kolchak, the Night Stalker, 50th anniversary graphic novel. And I was like, okay, I love Kolchak. And then they, the same, That's very much, go ahead. Uh, very much the precursor to like X files yeah. and uh, fringe and stuff like that. Yes. The monster of the week type thing. I don't know that anybody had really done that before. And that show first, the movies, the night stalker, the night strangle, and then the show were really good at creating that overarching set of characters, but a new menace each week, if you will, a new mystery, yes. maybe a better way to put it. Anyway, I love that show too. A very lot much, of reason. There's a bunch of books out from Moonstone. So that, yes. you know, they've continued, but that same guy also did this. It's the classic right. universal monsters with a whole bunch of authors that wrote short stories, retelling. Stuff. And I was exactly. like, I can't Delaying pass that up. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. But better yet, real quick with that guy, he wrote this book, James Aquilone. And I had already read this book before. I'm like, Hey, I know that book. And then I was like, oh crap. Now I got to get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not seen that one before. It's kind of funny. I really am by not haunting the comic book stores and getting my usual big boxes that I used to get from M&M distributors. I'm, I'm still aware of what's going on at major publishers, but boy, there's lots of cool stuff coming out. And unless it's like a Kickstarter project or right. I'm aware of, I, I really am not aware of everything in the field. And there was a time when I really was, when I was cyclopedic and hardly anything was coming out that I didn't know how it came to be, who's the writer and artist and all that kind of stuff. This book, it's interesting. It's a noir-ish mystery, but with a dead guy. And the funny thing is Kevin J. Anderson, who you may recognize, he's done Star yep. Wars and a whole Dune and stuff. Situations, exactly. Yeah. He wrote a similar book with a private eye that's a zombie. Okay. If you like that stuff, it's there. So the last, real quick, and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so... I got karma points and I'm going to share this <laughs> with you because I, it made me feel good. And I'm like, yeah, this is the type of life to live. Not the mean, and I talked to someone else about this. I'm like, yeah. So Sherilyn Kenyon was there. She's a fairly big name author. She was probably one of the bigger ones there. I would say. Okay. I've seen her books in the bookstore. Exactly. Yeah, okay. she, she's got a million and very popular, especially with like middle-aged women. She's just, that's their thing. So the like oh. romance horror, but supernatural what's romance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So my ex Gina loves Sherilyn Kenyon. Okay. And I wasn't going to buy a book to send her. I don't know what she has anymore, but I asked, uh, I said, how much would you charge to do a phone call? And she said, nothing. I said, great. It's for my ex-wife. I don't know if she'll answer. Hold on. And I texted her. And later, Gina did write back and says, okay, I'll answer. So I called her. I said, hold on a second and handed it to Sherilyn. And I heard the conversation. And Sherilyn goes, hi, honey, how you doing? And Gina's, I'm fine. Who is this? Right, she's <laughs> wondering if this is like your new main squeeze. Exactly. Is this? <laughs> uh, goes, it's Sherilyn Kenyon. And Gina squealed. So right. <laughs> she, they, it was like five-minute conversation. I was like, holy crap. Sherilyn just talked to her and stuff. <laughs> And then she gave me a whole bunch of stuff to send to Gina and all that. So I was like, you know what? Gina and I might not be talking and we might've had a rough go at the end. There were some good times, but what does it do me to say, huh? She, 
I'm I get to see Sherilyn Kenyon and she didn't. Ha ha. Right. I met your favorite author, Neener Neener. You know, yeah. Good what for good you. Does it do? Okay. So I felt good about that and got karma points, I think, because of that. So it was a great con. I would love to be going back sometime and some other ones like that. So that's my whole ooh, whole long ramble of the weekend there. It almost sounds like it was packed with peeps. I love when I get a chance to share those little stories of, hey, I met Mark Shepard who, from Supernatural and various other things. And it's very cool. I think I really, there's something about meeting not only the stars, but the supporting cast people who have been like in 10 different things because they got the stories. They were there for every episode and they were there, they, but they didn't get, it's not only the same stories you'll hear each time. They were there observing the cool stuff, the fan interactions, the plot twists, whatever else it might be. And oftentimes they, they're great raconteurs. It's not right. only, I don't know, maybe by being a supporting actor, you're not as full of yourself. You're very appreciative of the fact that it wasn't your name on the marquee, but you enabled 50 good movies to be better than they would have been without you. That's right. very, a very cool. There's also documentaries like, that are about that, about the B right. movie stars and they've had a 60 year career so there was also a gentleman there that did a panel with armin his name was john anderson and he's done some smaller characters but he's been in guardians of the galaxy 2 he was in stranger things he was in a couple other movies and he talked about it and i asked him i said so what were the kids really like they're you know babies they never were close to the 80s how were they he said oh they love the 80s. They were totally into it as a retro thing. And they, right. they got coached very heavily to know what it was like, what the talk was like and all that. And he said, how to all pick up a phone, how to, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he said, all those kids were very hardworking and very pleasant. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's just hope that as they get a little older, it doesn't go to their head. And wonderful. Yeah. I also, that, that thing about cons, I tend to not only like the biggest things, it's very cool. Ohio has really cool things like concoction and corn on the con and stuff like that, where they're often fan run, they're smaller, but when you get a chance to like, not only do the booth shuffle, but like you have dinner afterwards, you're all sitting around a table and everybody is just like goofing off and you find out just that who's warm, who's witty, who's not just their public persona, but that they're fans themselves. Hey. And is known for that, that he actually, like, when he goes to San Diego Comic-Con, he makes a point of often dressing in a costume, concealing enough that it's not the spectacle of, oh, I met Nathan Fillion. He wants to have a chance to geek it up. So yeah. does, sorry, Mythbusters. Why can't I think of his name? Anyway, yeah. the guy, the, uh, we just had him as a Mensa Gala dinner speaker. Isn't this weird? I get the, yeah, I, it'll pop out. Adam, no. Yes, Adam Savage. Thank you. That, yeah. Adam Savage. I just, I like hearing about that. And in fact, there's something cool. Not only are, are they often like supporting characters, but there really are people that seem to specialize in the geeky genres. So they're in the fantasy things, the science fiction things, the horror things. They are comfortable with the plot types and the tropes and the characters and stuff like that. And so it's, you can have an entire career without having had to be in like the blockbusters or right. the whatever. Like you said, with geeks being ascendant, especially if you're like in Guardians of the Galaxy, that must be a great thing to have on your resume. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yep. you know, even if you were just like thug number three or something that, like that. that. John Anderson literally was like second guy in a coat or something like that was one of okay. the characters. They not even the name. Yeah. So my next goal this year is so a couple of years ago, I was going to go to a writer's conference. My buddy Jay was doing out in Colorado and Mark Lefebvre, who is big in the indie world, you've probably never heard of him, but he has some books out, but he's also one of the big guys in charge of Draft Digital, one of the conglomerate publishing companies. He's been on my podcast. I met him a little bit. So I'm able to send him an email. He knows who I am and he replies. Well, mm -hmm. I mentioned that, uh, hey, I get to see you out in Colorado. That'll be awesome. He's like, yeah, that will. And he knows I like Rush. He goes, have you had any of the Rush beer? I'm like, no, I didn't know Rush made beer. He says, I'll bring some and we'll have some. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to sit down and have some beer. He's like, I'll invite my buddy, Kevin. Sure, no problem. Kevin J. Anderson is his buddy. And, he, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to sit down and have some Rush beer with Mark Lefebvre and Kevin J. Anderson. I'm like, cannot speak. Then the conference got canceled. So that whole thing fell through. Okay. But... Guess who's going to be at Origins in June down in Columbus? Kevin J. Anderson. And uh, cool. 
So I'm like, okay, I've got to go to that now. I've wanted to go to the game convention down there. It's huge. And start seeing what companies are out there, what people are out there. What Because I do have a couple games I've worked on, but they're just yeah. kind of spinning their wheels. But I'm going to get... So if you don't know, Kevin J. Anderson wrote, co-wrote Clockwork Angels with Neil Peart. Neil Peart. I, if, I wouldn't be able to pick his name out. That's yeah. cool. That, that's a very, yes. Okay. So I've got the comic. So, go, like I've never been to Origins, even though I've now been in for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I am right. going to get him a Clockwork Angels Hawaiian t-shirt or Hawaiian shirt to take down there and give to him. It's that stupid little, very oh, good. you're the guy that gave me the Clockwork Angels shirt. I'm sure... Lots of people give them stuff. But so that's my goal this year is to go meet Kevin J. Anderson and drop Mark's name, even if Mark's not there. There we go. It, it, Colleen is about to retire. She's retiring at the end of June. And it has, as compared to the world of, we get two, three weeks vacation. And we're we, most of the time it's, let's go to a hiking place and let's go to a city and explore. Let's go visit my parents. So many of those things have shifted that now we'll have all the time in the world. My, my parents consist now of my mom, just 20 minutes away, so I can visit her often, but it's not the need to make the family trip and catch up, if you will. And that's and, nice for you. Yeah. And once again, we're because our tastes are relatively frugal, when you go on a hiking vacation, we, you can do that for a couple thousand bucks, not $15,000 to go to Australia and really do it right or something like that. So we have, I've been re-exploring, and with especially with COVID having finally gotten to a endemic instead of a pandemic level. We, we have comedy conventions we want to go to. Maybe at a pinball one, a replay effects that doesn't look like it's going to recur. So I'm looking at where else can I go to get my pinball Jones? There's a pinball museum, so I can fly to Vegas. And instead of going gambling, I'm going to go over to the pinball place and have a buffet every night or something <laughs> like that. It it As we look into those kinds of things, I love that with a free schedule, I how have I not made it to Origins in all the time that I've been in Ohio? I was pretty much a regular at the, man, is this a weird thing? Gen Con. That's the biggest one. Maybe not the longest standing. I think Origins might even be older. Yeah. Maybe it's also Gen Con embraced uh, maybe the D&D world and then yeah. there, whereas Origins was Wargaming, Avalon Hill and so forth, and then it expanded from there. So there's a different tenor to each of them, but some part of like when I talk about Colleen and I going to the Banff Mountain Film Festival, I just like being with those people. I like being with people that like to game. There's a passion and a shared vocabulary and it's just fun to hang with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where's places besides our Mensa gatherings that you can start quoting from Monty Python or Douglas Adams or whatever, and people keep up with you every step of the way. It's fun to be with your tribe, even if the tribe has to gather and share con crud and then disperse back to the world. So, so that might be so Ellie and I are talking about. I'm much more the gamer than her. And so that's going to be the getaway weekend. She doesn't want to come play pinball with me, but depending on where the cities are, she can go and explore the literary and the historical and just kind of like wander if you will while i go geek it up <laughs> right <laughs> we'll tell you man that the fact that colleen will let you go do that stuff without causing a problem between you or she comes right. along and says you go do your stuff i'll go do my stuff and she's good with that you don't know how good that really is because i can tell you if it's not that way, it makes life very difficult. And it's hard to find someone that truly gets it that has their own life. That then, Man, I've come to realize that's the difference between good relationships and not good relationships is where somebody is in your life and adds to it instead of subtracting from it. And that sounds very simplified, but everybody has their own thing, but you can still be together and you don't have to pull them away from their thing and you can support it and do your own thing and still be, it's complicated in that simple little thought. I hear you. That, and I really do get it because Colleen and I have not been married forever. We're 20 years now, but I actually was married one time before to Shum must not be named. And she had aspects of that where she really, like I had a monthly poker game and with the boys and there was hardly ever a time when she didn't grouse about it. It's like, I know it's date night. It's a Friday night. And yet we have, seven other dates in the course of the month. And I, I do, I, I was often, if you will, the source of fun for us. I was more creative and more expansive in what kinds of things I looked into, arranged the shows, whatever else it might be, the vacations. And so it's kind of, please learn how to have fun also. I'd love if you could contribute to that for the two of us. And also that I don't want to picture you just sitting here, what, in the dark, sad? 
I don't know, go get together with your friend, have a ladies' night out. And one of those things where it just, the fact that it was always contentious made me sad. Yeah. I think I had mentioned married someone that was, she wasn't dependent on me. It wasn't that, that clingy, if you will, but about, especially not only about her, but about, she can see, this gives me so much pleasure. I loved my monthly poker game. It's just a neighborhood poker game is such a cool guy bonding experience that that I wouldn't want to do without it. And yet she begrudged it instead of being, go have fun with your boys. I'll have fun with the girls. I get it. I really do yep. get, and Pauline and I really are healthy in that regard. All the relationship books say you really should be what we're talking about, that you have your own lives and you come together to add to each other, not, <laughs> not cling, not subtract, et cetera, et cetera. And you've you know, even mentioned before, you know, that, oh, tonight we're watching Castle together. We made popcorn. We're on the couch cuddling and all that. But yeah. she doesn't like to watch Doom Patrol. So you go watch that on your own. And exactly right. She has work or she's reading or she's watching something else elsewhere. And it's and the big point is that that is not a problem. That's the big point. It's when it's a problem that then it keeps adding up and making everything else worse in my thoughts and experience so yeah <laughs> that's kind of funny i'm in all kinds of facebook groups that talk about these various different topics and not a month goes by a week without something being how's the guy going to sneak the comic books into the house because he's buying too many of them and it was just like we had no problems with that we both were dedicated to the budget that we had made and that's how we've gotten to where we're relatively safe and stable now and as long as she didn't buy more pretty parasols and i didn't buy more special platinum editions of comic books then we were okay. You don't keep looking at what each other is doing and find reasons yep. to snark about it. Like she and I like some things, share some things, and we also have very much our own interests. Isn't that healthy? That's just the yeah. way it should be. Yep. So I, it's funny though. I didn't know that your first wife was the same as my first wife because she, she shall not be not. named either. <laughs> but I don't think Gina listens to this. If she does, I hope it made her day to talk to Sherilyn Kenyon. Seriously, no ill will. I'm glad to do it. I told Sherilyn, I said, yeah, no offense, but I don't read your stuff. <laughs> I'm just not my author. And she kind of oh, laughed. I said, but I've heard about some of the problems you've had with your ex. I feel for you. I said, I got a first ex that was not nearly some of the stuff as bad as you. She told me a few stories. I said a few stories. We laughed. So that was right. it. There's, you know, pain shared is pain halved and joy shared is joy doubled. I'm pretty right. sure that's Spider Robinson, right? From the Callahan's Cross Times. We yeah. have not made a shout out the callahan's cross time saloon books before everyone they're fantastic <laughs> if you want to read let's see maybe the first four or five are continuously inventive they're loaded with puns they're loaded with memorable characters he did an interesting exercise where he maybe it's the sixth book that they like save the universe again in a way that they saved it before and the characters are all talking about haven't we already been through this? they made fun <laughs> of the fact that is the author just repeating himself because anyway, it was, and I thought, I don't know, a good joke, but it wasn't a book. It wasn't a whole book's worth of joke. So that was my, my, the last of this series is not as good as the early ones, but the early ones are a breath of fresh air. There's nothing else like them out there. Very good. So Callahan's Cross Time Saloon, everyone. There we go. <laughs> so we talked a bit about origins there. You mentioned a whole bunch of game stuff coming up. So what game topic? Today's our game episode, or what's half an episode. <laughs> exactly. As we, Mensa has mind games, a fantastic thing that like I have not gotten from anywhere else besides Mensa. It's an event where they have all kinds of publishers and manufacturers submit games that are no, not yet in the market, and Mensons evaluate them. They judge them on a whole bunch of five main criteria, like replayability, originality, clarity, all that kind of stuff, and give feedback cards to say, hey, what you really or didn't like about these things is because it is pre-manufactured, there's been times when there seemed to be that the feedback mattered and they changed some aspects of the game, the winning conditions, the quality of the pieces, whatever else it might be. If you're a gamer, it's a fantastic immersion into, there's probably 70 games there to play in the course of a weekend. You have to play at least 30. They're randomized and you get set so that every game will be played the equal number. And you can't specialize. It's not like, I only play strategy. I only play word or party or whatever. You have to play everything. Your taste and your vast knowledge of how many games you've played entered into the quality of the feedback they're getting. And then the whole point for Mensa doing it is they have a little called the Mensa Select Seal that by Christmas, those go on the top six games of the year. And like you, if you look at 
I think it's been running maybe 20 years now, maybe even longer. That's really like the Games Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's early was categories. It was Settlers of Catan. It was like we really Quirkle. are pretty perceptive. The Quirkle, exactly. That I love it where as you're walking through the room and like Quirkle, so brightly colored, so interesting and memorable. It's like, I can't wait to play that in my turn. And in fact, if it's not on your list of 30, I try to always get to almost all 70. At least I hit 50. I might not be a completist. There are some people that have a sleepless weekend and they really try to play everything. But I just, I love getting the feedback of uh, what everybody thought was good for the weekend, which ones I particularly liked. I keep track of like how much fun I had with it and the cost of it. At the end of the thing, they give away many copies of the game to all the attendees. There's probably 350 attendees nowadays. So it's not a small thing. It's a whole hotel ballroom size. And I will often like, I really like game, but I can go pick that up at the store for $10, $15 when it comes out. Whereas the mega $70 game, (laughs) that even if it's my third place, because, hey, I'll get more for my money, if you will. It's you play with all different kinds of people. You make it you're like, I don't know, I have a coterie of people that I really enjoy playing games with because our pacing is the same and our sense of humor is similar and all that kind of stuff. But oftentimes someone just says, hey, I need to play Flying Aces and I need four people and voop, four people. And I have met so many nice gamers just through this event that you kind of bond from all around the country from, hey, I played Wobble with you or something like that. And of course, as you might imagine, there's also some rules Nazis and some people that aren't paying enough attention. And so you kind of learn who to really hang with goof with and you learn who to avoid because it can spoil the experience right. of something if why well, it's an 80 page booklet you really we can make moves and keep going and figure out how all the mechanics work instead of having to like not make a move until you've read all 80 pages you know what i mean part of it right. is you just throw yourself in <laughs> i know there's a thing with following the rules and not just willy-nilly changing them because then it makes right. you more powerful quickly that's why the rule exists i think right. in that situation chill out people. The goal is not to win the game. The goal is to evaluate the game. And and yeah, the one you can't disclude the 80 page rule book ones because it takes too much time. So you need to get the overall feel of the game and the basics of the game, whether it's win or lose, whether you get to a point where it's okay, we screwed up and we didn't play this right. But now we understand we see I've done that with games before. Want to get in and enjoy it because you learn so much better playing it rather than sitting there going through all the rules, which you forgot by the time you open up the pieces. <laughs> yeah. Often what happens is people have played all the games they need to, like by Saturday noon, let's see. It used to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now they've added Thursday so that a right. little bit of time pressure will be off. But what used to be a joy is, you know, what you just said that you really, everybody needs to evaluate the game as if it is just open the box. So everybody figures that out for themselves. As of Saturday noon, you have the people who have already completed And then you start to go back to games you wanted to play again or experiment with new. And one of the joys is there are some people in Mensa that are really good explainers. They tell you like Oriel Maximes of the world, the Steve Yates, they're really good at, here's the crux of the game. Here's what this is all about. Here's the winning conditions. Here's what you're thinking while you're doing it. Here's, and that can really make it a game that I thought was kind of like dull, maybe impenetrable. When someone explains it to you, it's a different game. It's, it really is that they've got great perception. I try to be one of those perceptive people, but I'm not as good as some people that I go with. And so it's really cool to then, again, for maybe not only do I want to buy for the family for Christmas, but what what do I want to get from the free thing? I kind of like being knowledgeable and aware of as many things as possible. And if they weren't on my list, but I can go get the wonderful capsulized edition, the Roger Ebert movie version. I don't want to just a hack opinion. Roger Ebert knows stuff. And so you go to that guy in medicine, they're in demand. You know what I mean? (laughs) So you try to good enough for them to want to play with you that you had so (laughs) companies know have started to realize this and picked up on it and they quite often include like the starter rules which will get you going quickly or they have a youtube video where you can watch it in 10 minutes and get the basics of how to play the game watching somebody there's a single page summary or there's a video or something like that that's right yeah so So, um, exactly that and actually let me throw in i just read Toiber, Klaus, I think, Klaus Toiber, the guy who invented Settlers of Catan, now called Catan, just he died April Fools on April 1st. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you, there was a time, many things go through ebb and flow. There was a time when board games were not that popular or well known, and they really had gotten deep geekery. And Settlers is one of those games, and the overall world of German Spiele, Deutsche Spiele, they have an enormous gaming convention that is 
10 times the size. I mean, I, maybe I exaggerate. Even big things like Gen Con and Origins here, this Spiele is from the manufacturers instead of from the fans. Everybody in the world displays their games in hopes of it'll become the Christmas hit because, like we talked about, everybody talks about movie box office, but there's video games that come out now that are three and five times as big in terms of dollars and reach in the world and games that are like that too. So having said that, this is one of the guys with Settlers and Barbarossa. The first ones where it's a little bit of resource management, it's still winning conditions. You interact with lots of other people. Every game is unique because you start with different playing conditions, even though the board is relatively simple. Some people find that perfect balance of replayability and complexity, but it's like a two-hour game, not a 10-hour game. And Settlers of Catan is a great one in that regard. Yeah, you know what it I mean? Is. Okay. Wasn't it originally Catan had like TN? It was from some German river or something? It, it might be that too, that they simplified it for worldwide distribution, yeah. American distribution and stuff like that. You might be right, exactly. Right. Two T's or two A's, yeah. Something originally. That's one of those games, I'm going to speak ill of my son, so if he does listen, which I don't think he does, I apologize. I love playing games with him. I've introduced him to games, and he's got a game bug, but he has hit that point now where he can sit down with a game and just say, okay, I know what makes this game win, and and just demolish everybody playing the game, which... He's not doing it maliciously. He's not like taunting anybody or making anyone feel bad. He can just click, get it, and fo- so laser focused and just like Quirkle. Oh, I got 68 points. Colin got 174. <laughs> like, but so we haven't played as many games, I think partly because I'm like, I don't feel like losing to my son again. <laughs> but he also gets that little bit of an attitude. It's like, well, I'm not getting enough challenge from dad anymore. Which I don't know. True. (laughs) But Settlers is one that he doesn't like to play anymore. He says, "Eh, it's just, it's too, eh, there's nothing interesting. And I'm like, but I like to play with people who just enjoy games and enjoy the sociality of it. And Settlers is a good one because you don't have to focus on every move and and plan out 10 moves ahead that you can just chat, eat something, drink something. And hey, how's your week been? And oh, it's my turn. Right. Yeah. That is required. There's deal making. There's negotiation going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at, there are certain games, like I don't play much Euchre anymore because really? after you played like a thousand hands of Euchre, there's no surprises. It's very mechanical. And some people really love it. And maybe that's why, because they can immediately assess what are the odds of this hand being good and stuff. I mentioned there's a very th- cool thing called duplicate Euchre where they have people play exactly the same hands at 30 different tables and you really have to, you're, in, you're maybe there's more risk taking because you have to distinguish yourself from everybody else who's just going to get the right number of points, if you will. So we have a regular gaming session with a couple of Colleen sisters and we play some Pinochle and some all kinds of little box games where it's like, hey, you have to say the same words simultaneously. It's a name of flightless bird. And of course, one person says penguin and one person says emu. And so you're both right, but one person is really sure that they're right. <laughs> and we've had a very nice time with that. But this is an odd thing to say that taste in games is different. I, especially yes. with people that it's not about knowledge, I want to play a game that has a good combination of luck, randomness, and knowledge of the game. So that it's not just Steamroller Al comes in and kicks ass in a vocabulary game. And not against Colleen, she's got a great vocabulary, but against most of the rest of the world, I, there's a game called Mad Gab, I think, yeah. like a starting and ending letter, and you're trying right. to get the longest word. And for whatever reason, when you look at IE, I don't think of idle, I think of indomitable. And it just, those kinds of things pop out pretty easily. When you play categories and you're trying to get it where for that letter, it's not a single thing, but you can say, oh, that's an army of Alsatians. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter. It matters that I really don't want to have things where maybe a little bit of what Colin is sometimes feeling, that he's automatic in it. It doesn't have any challenge for him and frustrating for you one of the joys of playing games with my nieces and nephews was when it wasn't just candy land and roll the dice and that kind of stuff that there was a little bit of strategy and the first time that you see somebody make an interesting move in abalone where it's like he's really looking multiple plies deep this is a trap he's really thinking ahead and there was no evidence when they were really young that they weren't just little stimulus response machines. <laughs> right. Now they're thinkers. And I was like, I wanted to like, yes, Hosanna to you. Oh, yeah. It's, 
it was very cool to see the evidence of vocabularies growing and strategic thinking. It's actually, it, it, I love that. I, my, my pet praise is, I think you can learn a lot about a person in an hour of game playing more than a uh, live conversation. Absolutely. You find out who are the risk takers, who are the safety people. You find out who are the rules followers or the ones that are like looking for, well, this could be better. You know what I mean? Who are the incremental improvers? And just, and whether they're paying attention or not, it, whether there's enough going on that they get that the the game is something you do with your hands while you're visiting with your friends instead yeah. of being so enveloped by the game that they have to come back out of it after your right. all kinds of personality aspects that go into what makes for a good game and how right. people play. And I'll tell you, coming up, I'm anxiously awaiting. I'm waiting for the email. I told you about that DC deck builder Kickstarter I won where it's like 1,600 cards or something. I was going like to say, that. it's a case of cards. Exactly. Yeah, it is coming. <laughs> and I, it's I was hoping it'd be here this week because they started sending them out the beginning of last week. So I've, I'm not seeing the email. I'm like, oh, hopefully they'll come before Easter because Easter when I was younger was always game day. And I made that a bit when my kids, I'm like, oh, I asked Colin, I said, hey, what are you, you and Ethan doing for Easter? He's like, I don't know. We're probably not going anywhere. I said, oh, good. Not over. <laughs> yeah. I said, the DC deck builder is probably going to be here. We could play. He says, oh yeah, great. I says, but first we have to sleeve them all. He's like, all right, sleeving party. <laughs> exactly. It's in, in gaming terms, I've often heard the term fluffing. When you first take a box, a game out of the box, and you have to like take pieces out of the little plastic frame that they're yeah. in, just unwrap uh, all the cards and stuff like that. Some people love that beyond reason. There's videos about the unboxing ceremony and stuff like that. Yeah. At Mensa, it used to be if you got there the night before, you can be part of the fluffing of all these various different games so that they're in the box ready to play instead of the first unwrapping. And just, is it like some people like virgins or else it is that you want to be the first to touch it, to take the shrink wrap off and smell the cards, whatever it is. It's a very sensual and enveloping thing for some people. Yeah, I don't think I have that, but I appreciate when I see that it's all like neat. One of the, one of the things that happens in the course of 350 people playing over the course of four days you get an orphan's box. You get all those things that, oh, I found this on the floor, and I it, don't know what game it goes to. Sometimes Saturday night before the games give away on Sunday, they have people that get all of those bits and try to put them back where wow. they belong so that every single game has everything it should. And you would think, how can how bad can things get in three days? There's like hundreds of orphans wow. often because there's just there's time pressure and there's you're sipping your drink and you don't realize you bonked a little you know what I mean? Right. It's, yep, it's yep. amazing. If you scan the room, you're like, wow, there's already things on the floor and we're an hour in. You yeah. Know what's going on? Because well, there are some people that aren't as fastidious about caring about the game. People get upset with me when I'm like, could we take all the drinks off the table? Because this cost me like $80 for the first set and another 60 for the expansion. And if right. you spill your drink on it, it ruins it all. So Please, right. I'm going to you know, cry and then I'm going to pound you. you know right, I mean? exactly. So. And I love the fact that's so geeky. We're talking about introducing people to realize geekery. We're geeks playing games that most general public don't play. So we're going to use porn industry terms to describe. <laughs> that's true. The fluffing. Got to keep Method yeah, ready. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking well, of. Boy, there are certain things that whoever said it the first time. Everybody said I needed a word for that. And then yes. it just got adopted like wildfire. You yes. Know what I mean? yes. So speaking of, this reminded me of another Kickstarter. Maybe I'll put a link in for everybody that has, oh, I've been limiting my Kickstarters, but this one seems really important. It's a clear plastic system that stacks and stuff. They fit together modular, but it's designed for generically for any game. So what it is, it's a whole line of these pieces where you put all the little doodads so you can just scoop them out with your hand. And it's okay. got card holders so the cards don't get knocked everywhere and you easily slide it out like a dealer in blackjack. And then it's got, for your hand, it has this little tiered system so you can just lay your cards out and you don't have to hold them in your hand and you can see them all. And That's very interesting. Yeah, so they took all the common, if not complaints at least, little inefficiencies and said we can solve some of yeah. those like that's very interesting and, and looking at gone okay where's my credit card now exactly i don't I'm need like, this boy i would appreciate this every time i use it i'd be like this is one of my best okay yeah so i'm looking at it i'm going i'm like 
yeah, no. We, okay, there's the big package. That's where we get enough stuff for some of these games that it will make a difference. Enough for four people with lots of pieces. We've had some games, not only at my games, but played them later, where setup takes an hour. There yeah. really are so many different decks to put out, resources to arrange in their little corrals, all that kind of stuff. And after a while, people get really smart about, they have them in little Tupperwares, they have them in glassine bags, whatever else it might be, so that it's not, oh my God, there's this bag of pickup sticks worth of little figures. And the first thing you have to do is separate the various different meeples and the house right. colors and all that kind of stuff. It's very nice to do it once and then preserve that organization so that you don't have to do it again. The overhead can take the wind out of a game just in getting set up sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? One of the biggest I've played, and I used to have the game, but I got rid of it, was Arkham Asylum. Uh, based on Cthulhu Mythos, Lovecraft. It was really cool, great concept, but I played it twice. And like you said, it took an hour to set up and it had a 64 page rule book. And we had to, it had so many steps for every turn. We couldn't remember them. We had to walk through everybody's turn. So we played for four and a half hours and got through two or three turns. Weren't even right. close to the end of the game and everybody's okay. So after the second time, I'm like, I really want to love this game and I really want to play it, but there's 10 expansions. So I've seen pictures of people that have all the expansions with all the cards. It's 4,000 cards and pieces. And you have all these expansions with all these additional rules. And I'm just like, I am never going to convince anybody to say, hey, come over for a weekend and we have one game we're going to play. I, exactly that. <laughs> so I ended up getting rid of it. But that would have been perfect for this little system with piece putting stuff in and all that. Yeah. I'll tell you, there's any number of games that the, like my, my pet phrase is, so when does the fun kick in? You know, I'm, I'm trying to get a t-shirt of that. You said that one time Marty at an RG was doing a duct tape wallet. We were sitting there making duct tape wallets and you were over there trying to put together. And I was with Jason and Gina and we're putting ours together and have fun. And you're like, okay, when's the fun kick in? And I laughed so hard and I'm trying to get a good graphic to go with that for a t-shirt for us. So I would, you know, if we're looking for one of the first relentless geekery wear, that's a, a I, I'm pretty sure that's an original. I don't want to steal anybody. It's crazy. I, I think it like is. That. So that would be cool. And I don't think I have anything out there that says what is Alan Baltus. We don't have to attribute it to me. The phrase itself is still memorable, <laughs> and it pithy. It fits on a T-shirt instead of wrapping around because there's because I can be verbose and that kind of stuff. All right, that's so, all. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to come up with a few ideas and trying some things and change just a slight second. I have been using Mid Journey which is one of the new AI things to get some ideas and some things for graphics. Uh, it's 75, 80% there. And you can iterate and change and adjust to try and get something very quickly. So you got an idea. If you lay it out right. So the AI understands you, you look at your picture, you want to take this one, but some variations or you want to redo the whole thing. It's very quick. So if you have an idea, and I love working with artists and all that. And I'm not trying to take anyone's job away. I've got several t-shirt design ideas that I've paid people for the design, but it's always a, a longer process. It costs a bit more, obviously, but it's also, yeah, that wasn't quite what I'm looking for. Can we change it to this? Now I've got to pay them more to get a change in the idea. Using this AI stuff, it's like while yeah. watching AI something. Yeah, yeah, it never gets tired. It doesn't get right. pissed because you should have told me more, and then I would have made it more like what you were looking for. You know what I mean? It's I have boy, I'm behind. I have not experimented with it enough. As much as I did AI work for the last honestly 30 years, this latest iteration, because it's seemingly so wonderful and magical, I just haven't decided today's the day I go and put in, hey, give me a, a mad magazine cover that looks like it was drawn by Salvador Dali. Boom. And I just well, saw with Alan's face on it. There you go. Exactly. And the more that you give it parameters, it doesn't say, well, that's asking too much. It's like it does its level best. And I love that sometimes when you try it, I've experimented with a little bit, that it really is better than you expected. And that's this is miraculously cool. You yeah. know what I mean? It has the training set of all the graphics that have ever been done. And if I give it enough information, it really would be that my art skills are like thick figure rudimentary. 
it's especially cool when I, whatever I try to do playing keyboards, one of the reasons that I admire the Keith Emerson's and the Rick Wakeman's and the Eddie Calvin's of the world is because there's just another level, three other levels beyond what I could do even when I've applied myself so much right. to get better. And so I appreciate that. That kind of, I like miracles. I like miracles that you can like summon and not just be, we'll see what comes down the pike. It's cool to have that interactive idiot savant that's going to do things for you. So I know there's been a lot of talk in the author rings about these people going on using chat GPT and writing a whole book in an afternoon and putting it up on Amazon. And the I've just played with it a little bit to see what comes up. And believe me, you don't want to read what it's boring. It's not put together well. It really, but if you're using it for an idea generator and to kickstart some things, because the one game I'm working on, it's a card game and it uses keywords and I was trying to come up with variations on the keywords that would be sci-fi and from, but, and I said, wait a second, I have a tireless idea generator. So I went to chat GPT, put in my parameters of, I'm looking for keywords related to this, but as if they were in a sci-fi story from another world and using words that aren't from English, I, I kept defining it and it came up with a list of 30, bam, there you go. Okay, these are all original. I can modify them a little bit, but it was I was struggling with it myself. And it boom, there they are. So now if I define them, now I've got my keywords and they're new, they're sci-fi, and it came up really quick. So as the idea generator or the brainstorming, I've been using it a lot for stuff like that. Uh, yeah. It's kind of I don't have the fears of, oh no, I'm gonna be replaced. But one of the things I would think it will not be able to replace easily is I really am playful. I am continually neologizing. I make up like new words or new phrases and just because it's fun. And that as much as they are parameterized, it might be that they do things in error that are still witty because they're slightly off kilter, slightly inappropriate, whatever else it might be. And that's what I try to do is take a word out of context or verb a noun or whatever else it might be. When it can start to do, do this like I would, do it where you're playful and you're trying not to use the same word in the whole article that you're writing because you're a human thesaurus and all that kind of stuff. It I would look forward to there being a virtual Al that I could really, has it captured like my playfulness, my creativity? My, I'll have to see if I can train one to be more like me, give it feedback as to this would have been something that I would have said and I would have written in this style and so forth, but not this, and then have it iteratively become yeah. more me. That'd be cool to have a little doppelganger that I can set to write my next men's article or something like that. It does come up with some good ideas, good thoughts, a good start, but it's not a final anything for that. I've been having fun just thinking of, heck, last week's episode that I posted online, I went to chat GPT and I typed in, um, give me all the geek related keywords based on this transcript. And I pointed it to our website and it shot down a whole list. Now I asked for 50 and maybe only 15 to 20 of those were useful or correct or good, but it was done in 30 seconds. I didn't have to go read through the transcript and pick them out piece I by like piece. Pick them out, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it saved some time. It gave me the same type of results and it was done quicker. So I was like, great, perfect. So I, uh, I'll have to mention this yet since we're coming towards the end, that one of the better geeky April Fool's jokes that I saw was that Patrick Rothfuss has finally released the third <laughs> in the trilogy. <laughs> I think it was called like the domes of stone or something like that. It seemed to be chat GPT ish with how it, the title and the way it described it and stuff like that. And the reason for those geeks who like he has two books in a trilogy and there was already a big gap between the first and second. And now there's like a 10 going on 15 year gap before the third. Right. Shades of Martin with the, the song of ice and fire and stuff like that. It's they're really good. And so you really want, to get to that third in this series, and yet he's crafting it. He's taking his time. He's not going to issue it before it's ready to go. And people are so hungry that it will be a big event. Finally, it's out, and there's still going to be people that say, "Well, fucking finally! Thank you for doing this. Finally, please don't die <laughs> yes. before you get this done because we need this from you." You know what I mean? I'm usually not the vampiric fan where it's only that book, and yet ten years is a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean? oh well, we'll see so if that, the, if that really comes out. <laughs> one of my favorites last weekend was the local public library said, We've got a new machine to help with getting any book you want. 
we and they showed a picture of a 3D printer with a hardback book sitting on it. it says all you got to do is tell us what the book is and if we have a copy of it we rip the pages out and we get them scanned in the into our CAD program and they were going through this whole elaborate process and we have this special paper that it, it does occasionally mess up but and I'm looking at going what and I'm like oh wait a second it's April Fools <laughs> like <laughs> it was that was fun I applauded them on it. <laughs> All right, man. I think we hit most of everything briefly, at least. So something we touch exactly as, as usual. We'll add to the list. Let things <laughs> drop off just out of hey, the time is fast to talk about it. It'll come around again. It will. Uh, one one of these days, I really will have to go to the outline and put little check boxes next to things we've at least touched on, and then say we never really talked about bicycles yet, or yeah. whatever we could geek it up about. Anyway, we, right. we'll see. so okay. have a great Easter. Get Thank some good family much. time in. Exactly that. I get to see my mom for Easter. I think I have dinner over there. I'm going to find out today what I'm visiting her like every other day, but multiple times a week. I'll find out what Easter celebration they have planned and maybe bring her a little Easter basket with some jelly beans and stuff like that. Nice. Nice. Beautiful. Take care, Stephen. All right, man. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.